made. We were at, we were having way too nice a conversation to go live, so I know. I didn't oh, here we go. I think we're live. Are we live? To say oh, live. I think we're yeah. live. Yeah, we're live. Right, now it's, it's live for me. Little red button. I love the red button. It starts flashing at first, and then it's it makes you know. Oh, it's very nice to be live, isn't it? Okay, I'm just emailing myself some notes. What do you got? Is it is it some good stuff? Uh, I don't know. You know me. It's going to be hilarious. Is there any is there any jokes in there? Um, you would think they're jokes because they're so bizarre, but no, that's just actually my life. <laughs> Kate, it's good to see you. It's good Hi. to be with you on Facebook Live. Um, I have been looking forward to this particular one as much as any other one because you and I have known each other for a lot longer than I imagine people would realize and in a number of different capacities. Um, and I was going to give you an introduction, but I want to start with how do you tell other people how you and I know each other, if they would ask. How, what would be the answer to that? Um, so I originally would have said David was my minister, right? But Correct. then until I was looking for your book in my email that I did a Google search for Giffen in my Gmail and there were like a whole bunch of funny things about us making fun of each other over the Barack Obama, Sarah Palin um, like that campaign. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I forgot. We just like, we had so much fun because there was a group of us. And then I think how we really got to know each other was during that, I think it was the 2008. Yeah. Cause it was, I was engaged, not married. And we did the yeah. living questions things at St. Paul's cathedral. We did. Mm -hmm. You know what? That's not what I thought you were going to say. And you've totally, do you know when somebody tells you something and all these memories rush back? Okay. And you know what I, I, I was actually a seminarian. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't quite a minister yet. Okay. And I started this group. I, what did I call it? I called it Generation Next. Um, and I, what, I, what I wanted was to find all like the couples who were going to get married at St. Paul's. And so I, I started to try and put a, like a small group thing together. Mm -hmm. And I think you were in like the baptismal or confirmation classes as well at that yep. point. Yeah. Um, okay. So is that like how you're going to say we met? Were you in that group? No. Were you in I that group? Was. I think yeah. I was. Yeah. So that must, that, that must be, and, be, and then you came, and then, and then I, I prepared you for baptism. Terry, Bishop Terry baptized you, baptized you and married you and Monty while I stood next to him both times, having done all the preparation work. No, but, you didn't do my marriage prep, though. Terry did my marriage prep. Terry did the I remember you did, I was so excited because I'm such a nerd. So I was like so excited for marriage prep. And then Terry was like, look, I've known you guys for so long. You both are on the same page. Here are the three things I need. We have to do three sessions. The first one was family of origin. The second one was conflict resolution. And the third one was like, choose your scripture for your wedding. Then you married Tom and you did Tom and Laura's marriage prep. And you like, it was intense. You were like, doing therapy and then I was like really that's oh, a oh man I was so intense in those first years after ordination because I was 26 when they ordained me right I was I was a, I was a kid still and I felt like every everything that was put in front of me I had to give it my all all the time and so I went and took these marriage prep prep classes 
so I could be like properly certified to go and prepare couples for marriage. It's, you know, I look back on it now and oh my God, Tom and Laura, I'm sorry, Tom and Laura, what did I put you through? No, I think it was really good. (laughs) I think I really got a lot out of it. Yeah, you know, that's wonderful to hear. You know, I've married almost a hundred couples. Do you know that? Yeah. I saw that on your... It blows my mind sometimes when I, I think about all those different people who I, some I was more involved with than others in those early years doing marriage prep all the time as the curate at St. Paul's. But I, um, I love looking back on all the stories of all the different people, especially with social media now. You can actually get a little window into like the 5, 10, 15 year mark of these marriages. And, it's, uh, and you see all their kids born. It's, uh, it's beautiful. No, it really is. I, I just started doing weddings again, um, and I, I, I did two before, uh, before the, the recent restriction, and I got a call today. Some of these couples are amazing. They're they finding these creative ways to get married in the pandemic world, um, and it's, uh, I forgot how much I enjoyed being a part of of the people's lives in that, but that's not what we're here to talk about, so I'm going to bring something else up, unless you I want to say I feel bad that like you only have a half an hour. I feel like you and I should just like grab a cup of tea oh, and like schedule oh two hours. I'm like, I've got my coffee right here. Really? I just have, with caffeine? Yeah, you know what? What I want when I'm going to have a conversation and really get into it, I, I need that extra, you know, I used to drink Red Bull and my, my students would say that it was, uh, it was the Holy Spirit in a can. And uh and, you know, that's not good for you. I just, I saw an article the other day about a, about a, a guy, I shouldn't laugh, like 35, like had a stroke after drinking too much Red Bull. Like it was really, really scary. But no, I drink coffee anytime, anytime I'm doing anything like that I'm going to like, I want to be up for. I love a cup of coffee. It, uh, it, it puts me in a really good space. I'm drinking ice water. You're very exciting, Kate. Very. Am, it's better than tepid water, which is like very me. Well, can I tell you, I've been, I've, I've been watching the last few days and the last week or so about on political, political wife life on mm-hmm. Instagram and on Facebook and in the stories. And you really invite everybody right into your life. It is, am- oh. it, it's amazing. Can you, can you tell me a little bit what it's like to, because on your Instagram, I think you've got, I think it's like 19,000 followers. Yeah. Um, and in your stories... You will invite people right into your home, into your kitchen, into your, into your bathroom. And it's incredible how you connect with people on a very intimate level um, through social media this way. And I, I'm really curious to know, how did all this get started and what's it like now? So it's really beautiful. It's been a, it's been a wonderful journey. And I've been on Instagram and how to blog for quite a few years now. It started, oh my gosh, I feel like I need to do a precursor on this and say everything in my life, like I'll tell stories, people will be like, you're exaggerating. And then my, one of my 37 siblings, don't, I only have nine siblings, but um, I I know you do. That's exactly how it happened. So like my life is hilarious and it's just waiting for a story to be told. Um, With that said, sometimes they're really intense and crazy. So as the name would suggest, I'm married to a politician, literally the most amazing human in the world. And the fact that we have gone through our crazy lives together is insane. Um, so like I talked about your wedding, that's not five minutes ago. How long ago were you guys married? So uh, winter wedding, if I remember right. Yeah, it was January 31st, 2009. 
Yeah, also my half birthday. Um, so um, my husband and I had always been involved in politics. Actually, that's how we met. Um, he was my client when I worked for a political consulting firm, uh, or sorry, political consulting startup. And then uh, eventually we got married and um, he ran, I met when he, I met him in 2006 when he was running for the nomination for a party for the 2007 election. And then he lost the 2007 election, but he got the girl. <laughs> so uh, he never stopped campaigning after that. He again ran for the nomination and then got elected in 2011. So as long as we've known each other, he's literally been in politics. Um, so you know, fast forward, we get married, um, and I'll get back into like how our everyday life works because it's bananas. Um, but um, in we had our daughter in 2013, and in 2014, he decided to run for leader of a Poland. I remember. I remember. And I remember. Rory was born in 2013 as well. Yeah. Um, and I remember at the time, Heather, who you well know, my Rory's mom, I remember saying to her, how, how are they going to do that? <laughs> how's, how's that going to work? Because I know how old Rory is. I know what life's like right now. And I remember thinking, you guys, you guys are some special to take that on. It, how, did, how did it go? So um, if you were just to say, the logistics of running a campaign without any big financial backers. Um, it was hilarious. Like we just have the best sense of humor. So we piled all in a minivan that we borrowed an old minivan that we borrowed from my in-laws with our literally like 13, 12, 13 month old. Like she had just turned one. And um, so that aside was a journey. But then you get into like dirty politics and we had a stalker and we were getting threats yeah. and yeah. like death threats. And so that's where it started getting crazy. And that's how political wife life was born. Yeah. So after that, I um, essentially something would happen and then the media would report on it completely incorrectly. Yeah. And again, I remember one day I said, I commented on someone's Facebook, like some, there was a thread and like, I'm one of those people I like rise above, do whatever. And I don't normally comment, but this was during it. And I said something like something totally reasonable, like that's not how it happened or, you know, I don't even know. And it wasn't like I was inappropriate. And, um, I like people from my husband's campaign were like rain in your wife. Um, yada, yada, yada. And I have a feminist theory degree. Women's well, well, this is the thing I know about you. And I can't imagine how, I, and I will say this, I know Monty as a, as, as a friend and uh, as, as somebody I have a deep amount of respect for. And I can't imagine how he'd react to, uh, to someone saying rain in, rain in your wife. So never mind you. So um, yeah. Another funny story about someone telling him to rain in his wife. But it's funny because like I'm not a loudmouth on the internet. Um, I don't do Twitter. It's a dumpster fire of, the, of humanity. But um, essentially when it was all said and done, there had been like police reports that were misreported and leaks. And we had like a, I don't want to say an injunction, but we had like a no media thing that still got leaked. And I just was like, you know what? I need an outlet. I've forgot how much I loved creative writing. And I'm like, I just want to tell my story 
And um, what sort of happened was I thought, okay, there ha- there's a group on the internet for everything. Yes, there I'm is. Go find it. And there wasn't. There wasn't a support system for political spouses. And again, I didn't want to be partisan. I just wanted to like yeah. tell to commiserate. And some political parties, um, especially federally, they do have a spousal association. My husband yeah. was a provincial politician. That is not the case. Um, so I just sort of started a blog and then again, it was kind of one of those things I had been self-employed and had a baby and didn't get mat leave and then was trying to figure out what was going on for a job. So I actually started a social media company. Um, and I had a few clients and it was great. And I was sort of my main client. So political wife life grew quite quickly on Instagram because it was what I was doing for a job to show my clients what I could do. So I would do a social media strategy and these sort of things. Now, um, I don't want to say that's on hold. I'm not nearly as strategic as I'm going to be in the future. Sure. Now that I have a bit more time and support. Um, But yeah, so now a lot of things on political wife life to start is um, people are fascinated by my kids' school lunches. (laughs) And I'm also have no shame. So I have no problem going live in my bathrobe. And my kid has some food allergies. So I like make cool lunches and I enjoy it. There you go. That's life life. I think what's really cool is you started by, by, by taking control of your own narrative, right? Like, you know, like, which, um, I'll tell you is something that I've learned matters deeply. And a couple of my coaching clients, that's what we, that's what we work on is, is narrative storytelling Um, is learning how to tell your story um, in a way that a makes sense to you. B you can live with. And a lot of the time C sees your own heroism in the midst of it all. The hero's journey. Because the truth is if we can't see um, if we can't look at the life we've lived and somehow raise it up in one way or another and be proud of it um, and have something to show, whether it's our children or our communities or loved ones, um, I think it's. I think it. I think in this new generation, when we have the ability to tell our stories, um, grabbing hold of them and giving our own articulation of them, rather than being defined by what everyone else says, really does matter. I agree. You know, um, and I've been inspired a number of times by, uh, by I'll, be, I'll be honest about it. And I'm, I'm going to tell you what, there is this desire to be perfect on the internet, I think, right? Like to have the perfect Google search, to have the best LinkedIn profile. Um, and what inspired me a number of times by watching Political Wife Life, um, you know, uh, you're married to a prominent politician and you know, you're on there, bathrobe, no makeup, um, sharing, sharing stuff with other people who you found an audience with, who connect with you, um, because you offer them that intimate moment. Um, it's beautiful. Um, really beautiful. And it's become, it's great because I've been able to fill that sort of bill. It's become a beautiful community and I've had a chance to meet with because it was never supposed to be about politics. It was supposed to be about supporting people who find themselves in the public eye without any training or support. And so I've actually, you know, had some reality stars reach out to me. I've had some people on 
um, their husbands were musicians. And when they were on tour, you know, we were going back and forth about how do we talk to our kids about security and like without telling our four-year-olds, you know, beyond stranger danger, like, you know, it's, it's become beautiful. And then there's also my husband's colleagues, spouses, most of them wives and one guy named Paul. Um, (laughs) That could be the name of a book right there. Don't you think Political Wife Life could be a really fun book or maybe like the new Sex in the City? No. Uh, you know, I, I, th- I, think, I think there's a sponsor out there to take that on. I think there really is. And I hope that sponsor is Tiffany's. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny about it, you saying it, you didn't want it to be political? You know, because some of my favorite memories with you and your husband are before you got married, sitting around at a pub, just like going back and forth about lots of different political theory. Um, And, you know, we live in a a pretty hyper-partisan age. Um, And one of my favorite things about the two of you was always everybody could have a place at the table to really dig in together, to break bread, to didn't matter. You could be whatever political, str- you know, we'll have a dig here and there for a little fun. But um, I, you know, I, I enjoyed it, not necessarily the bipartisan nature, but the, just the human nature of, of politics, right? Like um, I always appreciated that about both of you. And I think this was a really good week to remember the human nature of politics because it's been, well, I think we were, before we went live, we were talking about people being naked accidentally on Zoom and like that happened with the politician and like if I couldn't believe like the media shared it, I couldn't believe other politicians shared it. I was like, that's horrific. That's like revenge porn. Like you can't put naked pictures of people on the internet without their consent and people are forgetting that politicians are people too of course they are no i yeah no it's i I think i think if you do know one um and i having served in toronto around uh, uh around queen's park i got to know a number of politicians and from across a different uh, different ends of the political spectrum and when you wake up to news where darts have been really thrown at one of them and you know them personally whether it's as one of their spouses or as one of their clergy or uh, a friend you really do realize like this is like though this is real stuff these are real people um this is this is not just you know throw it out into the middle of nothing and it doesn't land anywhere yeah, and I, I think the world would be a better place if more people just realized that. Yeah, it's hard. And maybe, it. I don't know, maybe some of my political wife life followers, I hope I can help them see the humanity of... Yeah, I think, I think you do. I think it's yeah. awesome. Speaking of uh, politics, events, the world, the engaging with, uh, with your agenda f- as political wife life and as, as, uh, as somebody who... Uh, wants to engage in important issues of the day. I understand that you have a renewed passion for uh, for an event that's happening everywhere with Earth Day right now. Is that t- it's tomorrow? Is that is it yet? Twenty second. Twenty second. Twenty. What's today? I've lost track. Oh God, I don't even know the lockdown life. I don't even know what it is anymore. It's the eighteenth. Uh, today's the eighteenth, so it's this week. Um, and it's funny because it's. It's funny, as I said, when you and I were talking months ago about Earth Day, it's more just environmental things. Um, Earth Day is a great day. I have, um, it's the only day of the year at school to talk about one of my favorite hobbies. So um, I am a worm farmer. 
you are not stopping now. You don't, you ever read my worms? Oh my gosh, this is why I'm not allowed to go to dinner parties. Um, because <laughs> I love to talk about my worms. So, um, <laughs> seriously, my Instagram post oh, from last year, I have compost worms. And they used to look I miss you. Keep going. This is good. Okay, so let's see how did this start. I made notes, but they're on my phone, which is now shut down. Um, so before the pandemic, um, we, I guess I should say how our life is structured. We, for people who are watching, um, my husband represents a place outside of Toronto. So it's kind of like outside London, like rural London, Ontario. Um, and then we also have a condo in the city, which is super small. Um, and we, unlike most political families who live apart because most of them have, um, you know, the spouses have jobs and kids are in school and that sort of thing. So they have their lives established in the electoral district. Um, we've always just been able to set up our lives so that our daughter's name is Annie. Um, she's also in grade two, same as Rory, that Annie has always been able to, Annie and I've always traveled to Toronto with Monty. And, um, so we had spent, it's one of those condo living lives after dinner, you take out your bag of garbage, you put it down the chute, um, and you take out your little container of recycling. So we never noticed how much garbage you were making. And probably not more than the normal people. Um, and I guess I've always been a bit crunchy. Like I did cloth diaper. Speaking of the summer we spent driving around in a minivan, I even cloth diapered during that. I can't, I can't even, I can't even imagine as, <laughs> as somebody who was not the best. I, I tried, I, I tried. I was not <laughs> the best diaper guy. I was not, oh. true, but, um, but no cloth diapers. Like, like, Oh man, just like the, I don't even know. We shouldn't even talk about it. Cause I can't talk about it. If you ever want to talk about like weird parenting things, weird parenting stories, that's a, that's another, for another live. Yes, um, let's that another time. We finally get back to the, to the riding where we're, we were there weekends, but also more so in the summers. And then um, kind of my husband and I looked at each other. We're like, we make a lot of garbage. Like when you put it out at the end of the week, we're like, yeah. doesn't seem like there's three people living here. And I'm like, I love a challenge. So I just was like, okay. I'm going to be better at composting because I've always had a garden in the riding. Um, and then like Amazon Prime boxes. I'm like, what to do with Amazon Prime boxes? And um, my dad actually had garden worms. Sorry, compost worms. They're different than the worms you see in your garden. Okay. And so I'm like, dad, can I have some? So I made the bedding with shredded cardboard. Um, and they, they eat it. It's a whole it. new world to me. It's a whole it's new world to me. So amazing. And then I started getting into... Um, soil this is kind of what happened it totally changed my life was the difference between dirt and soil and how soil is this beautiful living uh rich in microbe like thing it's beautiful black and it holds water but it also sequesters carbon and we can actually fix our broken carbon cycle by healing our soil so you have soil but then you also have dirt which is just like dry crumbly hard often um, like cement sometimes if you look in the soil turn into dirt no dirt should turn into soil dirt is yeah soil is this beautiful living you know, I've, I've seen the difference i just always assumed that dirt was like leftover soil that didn't make it yeah no no, no? Okay. I, I was wrong i've been wrong my whole life okay with our farming 
with our farming practices. And so I just became really passionate about this. And then during, so this was like pre-pandemic, then the pandemic happens and everyone gets into gardening. And so then it was sort of cool to talk about my worms for a while. But yeah, even in Toronto, because they don't smell if you do it properly, I had like this plus small rubber tote under a coffee table in the corner in our like way less than a thousand square foot apartment um that i would throw my food scraps into the worms would eat it and you know amazon prime boxes yeah um it just became this beautiful way to um really decrease our waste and when it comes to um environmentalism um we don't need a lot of people doing it perfectly we need we don't need a few people doing it perfectly. We need a lot of people just trying to make small decisions. And yeah. so that is, I could go talk on for hours, but if you're looking for a really fun resource. Um, where do we find that? Where can people find it? Easy. Go to Netflix. There's a, um, if you know who Ian Summerhalder is, there's a great documentary. Ian Summerhalder is in it. Um, and it's called Kiss the Ground. Um, so that's that's a great place to start and then another great thing about if you want to take it one step further there's another netflix documentary called the biggest little farm and it gets into regenerative agriculture which is another topic i could talk for literal hours well you you know what's cool about it i grew up um we grew up i think in in different worlds right I, i grew up mostly in suburban toronto and then lived a lot of my life in urban toronto Mm-hmm. Um, you you grew up rural growing up, right? Like right? All over. All over. We always lived in the in the city or the town, but okay. now my parents are a little more rural. That's okay. Yeah, I I remember one of my first years um, at St. Paul's Cathedral. It was probably when you were there. I, I got to, I got to preach uh, for Harvest Thanksgiving, um, and I remember uh, saying to, to Terry Dance, who who married you and Monty, um, I remember saying to him that I didn't know how to approach this because, you know, I've never really been on a farm. I don't really know where, and it was, you know, I might've been on a class trip growing up. But like, like I really, I did not understand beyond the basic, you know, this meat comes from this animal, Mm -hmm. right? The labor and the life um, and the, the risk of crop and like the different things that go into living in a farming town or living as farming people. Um, and you know, um, he, he at the time gave me a little slap upside the head, not for real, but you know what I mean? Um, and said, we'll go do your homework. Um, right. Like good, go, you know, I don't care if you only ever lived in urban centers, go learn about the environment, go spend some time in our farming communities, go ask questions, put your collar on, you know, go learn about it so you can share it. Um, and so storytelling, as you know, is important to me. And so I think you telling your story and telling other people to talk about why environmentalism, why making the small difference matters to them, because it is going to be all the small differences. Well, and it's also pretty important. The United Nations says we have like 60 harvest seasons left. We are breaking our world. We're poisoning our soils. And it's such an easy fix. Like you can do some really amazing things. And there is an awesome, if you just YouTube it, um, it's called Farmer's Footprint. And it just talks a bit about uh, traditional farming kind of moving towards more environmentally um, sustainable. And it's so cool. 
and it, I mean, we're getting pretty bad. Like our environment is getting, we have so many things going on and how they're linked to how the environmental degradation is linked to health issues okay. and things like autism, increased rates in Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. Like, Well, this is why I think we're at a moment in time right now, right? Where, um, where the world has had to take a, a deep breath and pause um, and we're having to look at, at health issues with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. We're having to look, um, uh, we're having to look at, at global warming in a, in a, in a real way as, we, as we, we take a moment to really look around the world and see what's happening. And we're having a chance to, to look at systemic racism and, uh, and generation, issues of generational trauma um, in ways that um, maybe we, we haven't really paused enough to look at any of it. And, you know, as I look at, you know, you and I both have a, have a shared love for history and political history, and um, you know, which is why we enjoyed that Obama camp, Obama Palin campaign so yeah. much in the day. Um, but if you, you look at it, there are moments in time, um, and I, I think this is one of them where um, you know, all those small differences do make a difference, but some things have to happen, as you know, on a, on a governmental level, on a big systems level. Um, and we're, uh, you know, being able to tell stories and advocate and uh, um, uh, being able to say, you know, this is this matters. This is how we're doing it. And this is why we're doing it. Um, I think it's really good. Yeah, I also think that people put too much. They wait too much for the government to do things. And I remember sitting down with a, a cabinet minister in. Manitoba, one of the nicest people I've ever met. And he said, Hey, well, like, will you ever run for politics? Is that your interest? And I was like, it's funny if you had asked me that maybe 15 years ago, I probably would have said yes. And I'm like, now I feel like all the change I want to do in community building and advocacy and farm farming food production, it's not even a farm thing. It's like we all eat food. So therefore, that's why there's an ignorance. There's a deep ignorance in urban centers, um, at least where, where I've grown up um, and where I've spent time about where food really comes from um, and, the, and the people who bring it to the table, right? It's, it's an important thing. And that has been a silver, silver lining of the past 12 months where, do you remember, um, it, it was March 12, 2020, and it was the day that the Loblaws in Toronto, everyone freaked out. We'd been out of toilet paper on shelves for a few days, but on March 12th, people panicked. That was the day like the NBA shut down yeah. and the lines, the shelves were empty. Like you would see in the Soviet Union, um, the former Soviet Union. I do remember, yeah. And um, that's when people started being like, oh, I guess maybe we should plant something. And it was such, there was some beauty in that where people started realizing um, where their food came from and it didn't matter where you lived. Yeah. Yeah. I got some rapid fire questions for you. Okay. Come at me, bro. Are you, are you up for it? I'm up for it. Okay. And I I didn't ask, but I assume it's no holds barred when it comes to rapid fire. Okay. All right, so outside of Monty McNaughton, mm-hmm. favorite current pop politician? You know who I have fallen in love with is Doug Ford. And I have to say, I never... I'm going to love you. Oh, man. <laughs> um, he's such a beautiful human, has such a great soul and such a kind heart. And I have to tell this story. He... Um, called my kid one day. She was really upset 
about my brother getting heat stroke at work. And, um, she was just like, dad, you need to fix this. You're the labor minister. And he's like, honey, we have laws like about this. And she's like, call Doug. (laughs) And he he was so gracious. And he has four little, well, they're adults, but he has four daughters. And he called and he just took this time to like hear my kid freak out. And he like told his stories about heat stroke and warmed my heart. Um, Yeah. So we'll leave it with uncle Doug. I'm a fan. And it wasn't like, I don't want to say I wasn't a fan, but like, I was never, I wasn't involved in his leadership or anything like that. And I'm so impressed with his humanity. You know, I, I'm going to abandon rapid fire for a minute to, t- to say this because, you know, I've got, it's, it's not hard. You, you can scroll on my, on my Facebook feed for five minutes to figure out where my, uh, where my political. Uh, are, you still a, are you still a rampant socialist? <laughs> I remember when we were, when I was doing baptismal prep for you, you introduced me, I think it was to your parents and said, this is, this is, this is father David. He really loves Jesus and he wants to raise all our taxes. <laughs> Sorry, I'm sticking to it. Oh, I have as a, as a small business owner today. I have uh, I have I have definitely have more empathy for the uh, for the the taxpayer in a way that I might not have as a as a 24 year old idealist coming out of uh, out of Western. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I you know I think lots of people have lots of political opinions right at the moment, and it's a hard time, right? It's you know in the midst of the pandemic. Um, but there's lots of hard times. And I, do you remember when, do you remember a post that I made on Facebook about his brother, about Rob back in the day um, when Rob was, yeah, Rob was under fire. um, And I remember everyone wanted to resign. There was allegations all over the place. Some of them were true, I'm sure. And I remember like, I remember the, just the vitriol from all the Christians that I knew uh, posting on the internet about how evil this person was. And I, I posted about how, you know, when I looked at him, all I could see was, you know, a broken, fractured man, just like me. Um, and you know what? I think, I think people came to realize that more true later in my life than they did at the time. But, you know, being able to see each other's humanity um, in, in, in the, regardless of political strife, regardless, you know, to be able to see, you know, we all bleed, we all have pain um, and that it's important actually to have empathy um, for for those we disagree with, especially, um, that's the people where we have to have the most empathy for. I, think. Um, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I'm going to totally abandon rapid fire because that was oh, very. Like, you know, I, I feel like we, we got to a nice place there, and I feel like uh, we ended with we ended with Uncle Doug, and you know, I'm going to get I'm going to get flack for not taking on any Uncle Doug's policy. I'm just kidding. I one thing because like i don't really care about policy like and i've been out of it recently well that's not true you care about policy you don't care about being um partisan i I think i don't care about being partisan in fact do you want to hear a really nice kathleen Wynn story i would love oh can i i love kathleen Wynn. so tell me who doesn't love her like she's such a good human she's Um, a warrior man that woman is a warrior yeah she's awesome so when she was pre when she was premier um annie would have been quite young, let's say one, maybe under. And when you live in a condo downtown or apartment, um, we would go to Queens Park often on Sundays or when it was closed and just let her run, right? And so here comes the premier walking out of her office with her entourage, the police, like her 
police everything and my like toddler I'm like crap we're like grabbing my toddler and like she walks up to Premier Wynn like puts her hands out and it was like says I want to show you my somersault stops the premiere does a somersault and then keeps going and like she's just so gracious and um what's really beautiful about Queen's Park is it's quite small um it's not federal where there's 300 plus uh, everyone knows each other and Annie was always such a presence there and whenever we would see her, even regardless of what was being said um, on the news or whatever, I mean, Kathleen knew that I was, I am, you know, a very strong feminist and I would make a big deal of like, Annie, do you realize that this woman is the first because of her, like it's possible. And yeah, very special place in my heart. You're good people. I'll tell you that. That's, uh, that's what I think about you. And it's certainly what I think about your whole family and uh, that beautiful daughter of yours. Um, oh, we're at 40 minutes. I said 30, so I'm going to wrap us up. Can you please um, give my very best to, uh, to MPP McNaughton and uh, let him know that uh, I, miss, uh, I miss our political dialogues. Not as much as I miss the ones with you, but um, I do miss them. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's been really good. And if people want to look you up, where they find you? At Political Wife Life on Instagram or politicalwifelife.com. All right. We'll talk soon. Take care. So Bye. Bye.